episode 41 of the Glass of Joe podcast alongside PJ Glasser. As always, I'm Joe Malfa, and we're joined by Chris Miller this week, our first three-time guest. We get into plenty of basketball with him from the NCAA tournament to the NBA to some rule changes and some old school versus new school. Here's the interview with Chris Miller. He was our first two-time guest, and we promised we'd bring him back on as our first three-time guest. It's our good friend, Wizards Insider, Chris Miller, fresh off a late Wiz game last night, 8 o'clock in Memphis, kind enough to join us here on Thursday morning as we record this. Chris, the Wizards have been playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, so was it nice to get a little bit of an all-star break? A little break was good. Yeah. Uh, you know, me, I'm a hoop head, so I was still watching hoop. Uh yeah, now it's really kind of a sprint to the finish. You know, last night was the start of uh, 38 games in 67 days. Ooh. And only, I think Memphis and San Antonio are the only two that have more games during that stretch. I think they have 40 games. So it's, these games are going to come by quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to the sprint to the finish. Now, before we get into Wiz, Joe and I just want to talk a little bit about the All-Star uh, Sunday night with you. This was probably a one-year thing, just cramming everything into Sunday night. But right. did, did you enjoy it, just having one event after the other, the slam dunk contest at halftime? Did you think they pulled it off pretty well? They did, you know, considering the circumstances. But I'm an All-Star Saturday night kind of guy. You know, yeah, I'm kind of nice. used it's to – you know, that night is for, you know, the skills of the league to really be on display, you know, the skills competition. And by the way, shout out to the big men winning the skills competition the last league. couple of years, man. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, look, Sabonis was like, yeah, I got this. Bam last year was like, I got this. So it's good to see like the bigs kind of venturing out, not just being somebody you just you know, pass it to on the low block, they turn left shoulder, whatever. Like these guys can handle the ball. They can shoot, they can pass. So that was cool. But I'm an all-star Saturday night type dude, man. I like to see that. I love the three-point shootout and the dunk contest was awful this year. I'm sorry. It might've been the worst one ever. It might've been the worst dunk contest ever. So bag that. Uh, Let's get Levine Gordon round three next year in Cleveland. Let's just do it. You know, the fans want it. Absolutely. And got to get Zion. I mean, I hope Zion at some point, uh, gets in there you know he's got to be concerned about his health and, and it's been talked about like but at some point we got to see him get in there because no doubt uh, it's, it's going to be one of those things that's just a, a chapter left unwritten that we all need to see if he doesn't do it so uh, look those events are fun uh, and, and those events are treated like fun but even going back to Larry Bird back in the day there's always a different mood around the three-point shootout where guys are out to prove who they are among the best shooters in the league do you think Steph was trying to send a message to remind everybody after missing last year that he is still the best shooter in the business. Yeah, I, I said the other day, I think he's probably one of the coolest arrogant people in the history of sports. <laughs> That's a like, great way of putting it. Yeah. You just know he knows he's the greatest, right? And he just, the suspense, right? He had to hit the last three in the corner to win the three-point shootout. You're like... Yeah, dude. Like the green ball, you know, they had these green balls on the opposite sides of the the top of the key. You know, he's just so calmly just, I, I respect him, but like, (laughs) he's got that, you know, Oh, nice guy next door type all shucks, Steph look. And I'm sure inside of him, he is the, I know he's a killer, but (laughs) he's a killer. Remember that little kid? He's a killer. Oh, he's a bad dude, man. I, he would be the guy, like, if you didn't know who he was and he walked into the gym, 
you know how it is. Dudes would be looking at him like, who is that? And then all of a sudden the game starts, you like, you go guard him. Why didn't we pick him up earlier? You could could absolutely see him being the guy to that point. Like you're, you got 10 people in there, right? You got two captains. They start picking guys, picking guys, and then they leave the scrawny little dude till the end. And he ends up scoring 20 of the 21 (laughs) and it's all right. Who got next? They're like, they're like, who's that dude? And then he ends up being the captain the next game. Exactly. The next game. And the next game until he's ready to go home. Exactly. Yeah, he, he's much respect to stuff. And now speaking of captains, as for the All Star game, we see the new format with the kind of three and a half quarters. Then you get mending uh, captains picking teams. Do you think that's the way it should be? Has that kind of breathed a new life into the All Star game that people were kind of getting tired? It was like one eighty to one eighty seven every year, whatever mm-hmm. the case was. Yeah, um, anything that you can do to honor Kobe, I, I like the end of that. Uh, it gets real. You know, you could actually tell too, like when it starts to get turned up and guys started guarding. I was like, oh, oh it's getting. I like kind of like that build up, the suspense <laughs> mm-hmm. of like, okay, now it's about to get real in here. And then, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're in class and, you know, the professor's kind of going through this. And then he or she says something that you're interested in. You do this, you go. That's what the All Star game has been like, like the last two years, where it's like that fourth quarter goes, oh, now we're going to see who's who's going to be the five, right? And it was cool to see Brad being one of the yeah, five, yeah, you definitely. know, for for Team KD, um, you know, coming up into that loss though. But yeah, I, I'm all about it for the rest of the time. Let's do that. Let's bag the dunk contest with these old head <laughs> voters. Come on, Josh Smith, you got to do better. You know, Cassius Stanley had a fifty. I don't know why that that right there ruined the rest I of the dunk Obi contest. Toppin got robbed. I thought Obi Toppin really? got robbed. I did. I I, I like I like. I mean. Through the legs from the free throw line too, like th- there were some things that he did that I think just flew under the radar that night. Yeah, come on, man. Like, like he, you would think because they had, you know, former dunk champions or guys that had bounce like that back in the day, would recognize. Did you see what Cassius Stanley did? I'm like, <laughs> bro, that's that's a fifty. Like, uh, but everything else was cool. Yeah, the All Star game last year, that fourth quarter, uh, that was peak basketball kyle lowry was taking charges in the game <laughs> yeah it was insane um all right Seamel. now over to the wizards they did lose last night but they've really been playing some good basketball as of late if you could pinpoint one thing for this turnaround that they've had what would you say it is russell westbrook uh, i i think that his, his dna as a player um is all over the floor now when you think about um just the competitive fire that he has. I've noticed something, and I said it in our postgame show the other night, is, you know, the Wizards don't fraternize anymore. Like, they used to, like, buddy up to guys that they were competing with and dap them up and help them up off the floor. I don't see that anymore. It's something little like that that just makes you go, okay, I see now Russ's impact. It's like, you know, we're here to compete. We're not here to be buddies. You can shake hands after the game. But during the game, I've just noticed there's just a different type of a vibe with the Wizards, some fight that I that I really enjoy. Um, the other thing is their ability to defend when they want to uh, has been pr- pretty noticeable. Like they they they've played they've played better defense. You know, during the stretch where I think they went they went eight of eleven. I thought they were guarding really good, and they're not taking so many threes. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. 
I got I got two young bucks on this podcast, and I know you guys love that three ball. Oh, we're getting to but, it at the end. I saved that question for the end because we're gonna. Okay. Have to all right, well, we'll get to, we'll get to <laughs> that we'll then. But I, I would say like what I'm what I've noticed though is Russ is healthy, and the way he kind of plays is kind of rubbing off on the group. Now, Russ, I mean, he's obviously him getting healthy has helped. But what do you make of Bertons and finally getting healthy from COVID, stretching out the defense, becoming a little more consistent? Has his return been underrated, do you think, through all this? I think so. And he's got some bounce. We've yeah. seen a couple dunks That's from right, Davis yeah. where that you go, whoa. Game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, he caught like, the alley-oop that Russ threw to him. We were like, I think it was the Clipper game. I was like, whoa, Davis. I didn't know. Put him in a dunk contest and a three-point shootout, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he, he's, been, he's been good lately because of the health. He's got his legs under him. And, you know, I think the formula for the Wizards is I, I call it D&D. If it's Davis and defense, it's going to equate to, I think, some success for the Wizards. Davis has to hit at least four threes in a game. And then if they can guard, I think that's the secret sauce formula for uh, for victories for this team. Because you know what you're going to get from Russ and Brad really every night. Even Brad having an off night in Memphis, you know, still had over 20 points. And you're like... Golly, man. Right. <laughs> Brad's taking such a major step now that when he scores 20, we're like, oh, he had 20 tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah, how hard it is to score 20 points. <laughs> so I, I think, but Davis, you know, obviously getting his legs under him, hitting those shots and you know, dunking. It's been a, really cool to see. Yeah. The, the, Latvian, the Latvian layup is a dunk now for him. Yeah, yeah the Latvian leaper. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, the top tier in the East is so clearly, at least we think, if you disagree, speak up. But it's so clearly Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee. And then there seems to be that separation. When you look at the East as a whole, are there times that the Wizards look like the fourth or fifth best team? Not consistently, but are there games where you turn around and say, all right, why can't they be in that group? So if you look at where the Wizards are, I think they're 12th. From 12 to 4, as of before last night, I think the separation was four games. Four. (laughs) Between not being in the playoffs. Listen to what I'm about to say, guys. From not being in the playoffs to hosting the first round, the separation is four. So that's what makes the East really exciting this year because every night you just got to look at the standings. You wake up the next morning, you got to look at the standings. Where are we? I always say this. If the Wizards have um, a really good week, they'll be eight, seven, six. Yep. You know, you get to six, you're not worrying. You know, seven through ten now is going to have that play-in thing. But, uh, yeah, I think there are just times where they look like, you know, they could host a first round of a playoff game, let alone, you know, just getting in. It wouldn't be the most shocking thing. And one of the more shocking things right now is the top of the Western Conference where you've got the Jazz and the Suns. And everybody's obviously talking about the Lakers and they're probably still the team to beat. But are you buying what you've seen from Phoenix and Utah so far? No. Uh, <laughs> that, was, cool. that was an hesitation. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see it in the regular season. Uh, I, I don't buy Utah in the playoffs. I think that they'll be a tough out. Don't get me wrong. They'll be a tough out. Um, I think Denver's going to figure it out. I, I think the Clippers are going to figure it out. And as long as LeBron James is breathing, <laughs> he's got a chance. He always has a chance. So I would say, uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, I would say, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers are my three. Utah, I mean, they they just smell like a second round out. 
It just <laughs> like, it's like the Atlanta team. It's yeah, that exactly. Atlanta like the team, Hawks team from back then. From with, with yeah. three, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Um, MVP. It's a big discussion every year in the NBA, but this year, a lot of people like Embiid, people like LeBron, maybe Giannis. As of right now, today, who would your MVP be? Same guy that I said before the season started. It's Joel Embiid. Uh, I hope you sprinkle a little bit of something on that. There's somebody because he was 40 to one before the season started. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> That is that high? 40 to 1. There's no way he's that high. 40 to 1. That's what they said on ESPN yesterday. I was watching uh, Doug Kazarian, and he said if you got it early, Embiid was 40 to 1. That's absurd. See, I don't gamble. (laughs) (laughs) But now he might have to. Uh, It's Embiid. Look, man, he has been a dominant two. uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. I'm about to say this about a center. He's been a dominant two-way player. Uh, he could offensively, he's got everything in his bag. You know, I just talked to Drew Hanlon, who was his trainer uh, last week, because I, I was doing this story on, you know, he had four all-stars all playing on Team Durant. You know, he had Brad, uh, Joel Embiid, who didn't play, obviously, Zach Levine, and Jason Tatum. And I'm like, what's it like to have four all-stars? And, you know, obviously he's been working with Brad since he was 13 years old. But I asked him about Joel. I said, why do you think he's the MVP? And he was like, offensively, he can do really everything that Brad can do. Think about that. And he's 7-1. Yeah. And he's defending, and they have the best record. Uh, you know, obviously, with Brooklyn's on. on <laughs> Brooklyn's coming, man. They've yeah. got, they got a couple of pieces. But as of right now, you know, Philly's the best team in the East. And I still think... You have to award winning, and he's the best player on the best team in the East. Um, so that's why I think he's the MVP. Now, I will say this, and I just looked this up before I came on the podcast because I want to make sure I, I, I schooled you guys on something, which is weird. <laughs> so if Giannis wins this year, he would have won the MVP three times in a row. Do you guys realize that's only happened three times in the history of the league? See, now, yeah. you know how you guys always try to jam me up? Oh, yeah. I got a question <laughs> for I like you. It. I like it. Are you um, ready? Yeah. So give me the three names of players that have won back-to-back-to-back MVPs. All right. I think Larry Bird's one of them. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Bill Russell, you think, Joe? Or maybe not? Or Will? Well, I, I was thinking about that because he's just a whole different era of dominance. But I don't think MJ did it because I remember thinking last year, the last dance, where he was a little pissed that, you know, that Malone got in there and that Chuck got in there. So I, I think, think he did it twice back to back, two yeah, separate times. I don't think he did three. LeBron hasn't done three. Um, Larry Bird, I don't think I'll, Magic's I'll say Bill Russell three. because he had a whole different era of dominance back then. Correct. Okay. okay. And I'll one say more. Kareem for the last one. Kareem, the last one. Do we go three for three? No, oh, oh no, not no. Kareem. Um, see, that's the thing. It's got to be that era where there was just that complete dominance. Was it Wilt? Yep. There we go. Well, All right. Wilt. Well done, gentlemen. <laughs> well done. So this is why I'm I'm like I can't see Giannis winning three MVPs yeah. in a row because the class in which he would be on. I mean, he can't shoot. 
and, and it, speaks to, the, it speaks to the voting like, process where yeah. you get fatigue. Otherwise, Jordan would have won it every year. Otherwise, LeBron would have been winning it every year. And because of that fatigue, that's why you've got other guys winning it. So is Giannis the guy over LeBron, over Jordan, that makes you say he deserves a third one in a row? Yeah. I'm, I don't think so. Mm, I don't think so. Mm, mm, no, when you talk LB, you talk Will, you talk Bill, you're like, okay. Because, you know, I stand on my perch by myself. So everybody does like their Mount Rushmore. And I feel like if you're going to put Magic Johnson on there, you have to put Larry Bird. Or if you put Larry Bird on there, you have to put Magic Johnson because I don't think you can say one without the other. And I just don't think Larry gets his flowers enough. And I've said this so long about what he was able to do with less. And he won three consecutive MVPs in the 80s during the time where it was what? Bird and Magic. So mm. a lot of yeah. people don't give Larry a lot of credit, man, but I, I'm going to give him credit because he was a bad you know what? I mean, he Absolutely. took Indiana State to the title game. <laughs> yep. You know, like, he's yep. bad dude. Now, speaking of the NCAA tournament, we got to get you. You see your Tar Heel blue on right now. Come on, man. Uh, you already know. <laughs> hey, I, I do know this, you know, breaking news. This is not funny. So I'm not, I'm not, this is not a bit, but I just saw that Duke uh, had to back out. Of did see that. Yes. Tournament did see because that. Of that was... So no jokes there. Yeah. Uh, COVID is serious with me, but. My beloved heels are um, getting right at the right heels, time. Heels See, no, they went on a thirty-seven <laughs> to two run I yesterday. Say, I saw it on Twitter because I was working the Wizards game, and I was like, "Oh man, save some of that for Virginia Tech, bro!" <laughs> man, <laughs> the talent that they have in the front court. We know about Baycott and we know about Garrison Brooks, but now Walker Kessler is yeah. coming. R- Roy just finds big man that grow on trees. I don't know how he does it. But- I saw Dyron Sharp play last year. So, you know, my son played at DeMatha and we played Montverde last year down at Montverde. And Dyron Sharp was on that same team. I-, I want to tell you guys something. Like Montverde Academy last year, I saw the greatest high school basketball team of all time, in my opinion. Was that we Cade? Played them. Was Cade? Cade Cunningham. So here's the four guys. Right. Cade Cunningham, who's at Oklahoma State, who will probably be presumptive number one pick. Yep. Moses Moody, who's at Arkansas, Arkansas. who's a shooter. Lottery pick. Uh, Scotty Barnes, who's at Florida. Florida State. Oh, Florida State, right. And the center was Dyron Sharp, who's at Carolina. And I, I saw them live, and I told my wife, like, we were we were ranked fifth in the country at the time, and we're a national brand, right? Demath is a nat. Yeah. And I my, we went we were sitting in the bleachers, and it took probably a minute. And I looked at my wife, and I was like, I don't know about tonight. She's like, What do you mean? I'm like, Those are some grown men over there on the layup line, dunking everything, windmill reverses, lob. I mean, they were doing everything, and the fact that those four young men have gone on to have really good college careers you know one season you know i think all of them if they want to go pro they could go pro absolutely yeah absolutely now uh we we did have a duke question on here before we saw the news scratch that immediately because it immediately became no longer a laughing matter about duke missing the tournament became very serious very quick uh but on the heels note uh how much noise do you think they could actually make in the acc tournament still virginia tech today and then beyond and then in the, the the big turning itself I'm concerned about the point guard play. I've been concerned all year. I love Caleb Love. 
but I don't think Caleb Love is a point guard. I think he's a scorer. Uh, he played on Bradley Beal's AAU team. Uh, I, I, I'm worried about guard play in the tournament, but rebounding. I mean, we should rebound everybody. You, you should put the heels down for 40 plus rebounds every game. Love the size. And I think any matchup that they have, even against Gonzaga, I think the heels, their bigs against Gonzaga's bigs, I like our chances, right? But it, it, you guys know how it is in the tournament, man. When it's first to six, six wins, you got to have a dog as a point guard. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a shooting guard or a wing that's. Um, two-way and I'm a little worried right there so I would say I'm gonna go safe this year guys I'm gonna say sweet 16. That's fair that's very fair all right now now said it earlier I had to save it for last before we get to our two segments that you're very familiar with the three-point shot it has dominated talk shows the whole week now I don't think that I'm on the side that you think I'm gonna be on for this I don't know about PJ um, it's dominated talk shows all week after Steph and Lillard were shooting from literally everywhere in that all-star game. Uh, people throwing out stats just to show how prevalent the shot has been, how it's taken over the game, wondering if it's reached critical mass and we got to slow it down with a rule or something. Um, almost like the MLB lower in the mound back in the day. What are your thoughts about how basketball is played in today's age with three point shot and if it should be left alone, if it should be amended in some way, mm-hmm. Um, or just kind of, you know, let it naturally evolve as it will. All right. I'll say it with tongue in cheek. Steph has ruined prep basketball. He's ruined it because kids go into the gym. Now the first thing they do is not get a layup, not get a free throw. They want to just launch from like 30 feet. And I'm like, damn you, Steph. (laughs) But, uh, I'm going to say something that's, might be a little controversial and I apologize before I say it, but I want you guys to be ready for this. I think they need to institute a four point shot. I would say it. I would say the same thing. I agree. I don't hate it. I feel like the way kind of the all-star game ended, the fact that Dame had the, the chutzpah, <laughs> the unmitigated goal to actually take a step opposite of half court to get his shot ready to launch from half court in an NBA game. I think that should be rewarded as a four point shot. Because if you're telling me 23, nine from 23, nine is three points. And then from half court, you shoot that same shot and it's three points. That's a lot of distance that's being covered. That should be rewarded it's weird, right? Because there's a part of me that's like, if somebody has the nerve in a regular season game to pull up from half court and miss it, uh, but if he makes it, uh, he should get extra credit. No, I'm weird. I, that's where I am with my mind. I feel like if you're going to take a, three, a a shot from that long, I don't know what the, the cutoff is. Maybe you guys can help me with this. Like, What's the cutoff distance for it to be a, a four-point shot? I don't know about the distance, but you just go back to the idea of... Is it 30 why, feet? Oh, well, you go back to the idea of why they put the three-point shot in in the first place because they realize, you know, is it that time where we, where something needs to be changed? I know one of the rule change, alleged rule changes that somebody's been throwing out all week. Um, do, you go the, do you go in the other direction? Instead of rewarding that with a four-point shot, do you go with um, a team's only allowed to take, say, 
uh, 23 pointers before the six minute mark of the fourth quarter. Oh, and then no. from there, oh, I don't like that. No. I, I'm not saying I like, I'm just saying yeah. these are the gimmicky things that have been tossed around all week. I draw, I draw a blue line. Like you kind of have in hockey, whether yeah. it's at 30 feet, 35 feet. And if dudes want to pull, it, it makes, you know, the coaching would obviously have to adjust because now all of a sudden four points from a two possession game can become a one possession game, yeah. especially if you're playing Steph or Dame or Trey young. And it changes a lot of things. Absolutely. But the, but the question I have, though, with that, CML, if we're already at this point where we think Steph has, you know, tongue-in-cheek ruined youth basketball, if they institute a four-point shot, will that disincentivize or incentivize kids from pulling up even more? Because now they're going to say, all right, here's a four-point shot. Let's see if we can start pulling up from 35. Does it have the adverse effect? It's interesting. I'm torn. That's why, you know, I'm torn because I want to reward real snipers. Like, if if you're a real sniper. That is a skill. I mean, that's a skill. It is a skill, definitely. And and you notice when they shoot it, they're not chucking it. Right, right. We would be chucking it, right? It's fluid. It's a fluid motion. It's a a shot. Yeah. Yeah. So... That's just a part of me. I want to reward that. But then there's this <laughs> yeah. other part of me that's like, you're going to ruin the game even more. I'm torn. Like, it, it's nuanced, right? I, I just. Because wouldn't teams try to go after, wouldn't they rather have two Steph Currys than to have a Joel Embiid? Because you can get double the amount of points that an Embiid The analytics can. would say it, yes. But yeah. me, I, I'm still so old school that I'm like, if I have a seven foot one guy that can dominate and could shoot. I'm going to give him 20, 20 paint touches, and with his dominance, he can at least hit 16 of them. So do the math. Would you rather have a higher percentage guy hitting 16 of 20 of his shots in the paint or a guy launching from 23-9 and beyond 10 I mean, times the, the and math- make two? Yeah, right. no, I, and it, it depends. It really depends. But the, the lens through which I'm viewing this, and this goes to you know, what, you, what you said earlier on about you being on with the two young kids today, we probably love the three ball. I don't view it as uh, – I, I just view it as an evolution of the game in that mm-hmm. we loved – or you know, your generation and above, you loved the old game because there was, a, there was a poetry to it where you're drawing up plays – moving it around, try to get it inside and create the easiest shot possible. I still think that exists with the better teams. If you think back to the Warriors teams that went on that dominant run, the ball movement was poetic, except instead of trying to set up the inside shot, they were just trying to set up the outside shot. So everything about it's the same. The only thing that's changed is where they're taking the shot from. So in that aspect, I don't see it as a negative for the game. But you know, the game has evolved. I I agree. I think it's it's negative if you start getting people pulling up from 35. That's different because now there's no ball movement or anything. Now you're just taking shots. Right. And now you got you got centers going. If you miss this shot, there's no way in hell I can get the rebound because (laughs) it's coming back. Right. It's coming right back to you. It'd be like an offense. (laughs) It'd be like somebody shooting from 35 feet and the ball just caroms and hits the rim. And so they would get an offensive rebound. Right. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean we're we're all trying to change the game, but the the beauty of the game is there's five people out there, the ball's moving, you're getting the highest percentage shot, and then all of a sudden, Steph comes along, and you go, 
well, I can't hate it if it goes in. And it, <laughs> right, he does his little shimmy. You're like, I, he's a showman. Um, but I am, I am going to start probably politicking for the four point shot. Yeah, because you know, PJ, what you said about the game where it's like you got a four point game and there's like 10 seconds left. It changes everything now. Everything. Now you got to make a decision. Now yeah. as, as the opposition, as the def- defender, you know, think about when Damian Lillard sent OKC home and the distance that shot was and what Paul George said afterwards and then admitting <laughs> on Sunday, you know, I might have been wrong. That might not be a bad shot. You know, was there... De- if you're a coach, would you draw up defensively being like, hey, get out to 30 feet yeah. and guard him? You know, back when, back when I played, you never <laughs> would have did that. You'd be like, let's shoot that. Right. Now you're like, um, uh, he might make it. Yeah. Right? So the game is evolving. I love it, though. Um, the old school part of me wants to still recognize, you know, a guy like Jonas Valanciunas going 20 for 29 and 20. I still want to recognize that big man dominated without really taking a lot of, you know, shots outside of the paint. But then there's this other part of me that's saying Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league because he's a seven foot one guy that can shoot threes. Yeah. And that's the other side of it. Like, does it, does it counterbalance itself out? Because you got Embiid, you, you mentioned the skills challenge earlier. You got Sabonis who won it. You got Bam who won it. So it's not like there's a lack of Jokic is in the MVP conversation. So, Mm -hmm. As the game has gotten smaller, moved outside, we've seen these bigs come back in and start taking over again. So it's kind of like an ebb and flow. Is we're just gonna have to see how it plays out, I guess. Yep. Um, all right, C Mill, you know what time it is. I know what seven, time it is. Seven <laughs> rapid fire questions for you, and then a trivia question, which I promise you will be your favorite of the three Absolutely. that you had so Absolutely. far. So My number man. one, we know you loved um, Onyeko Kongu out of USC last year. Who's the prospect that you love this year? Jonathan Kaminga. <laughs> Go to the G League. Love him. Like, I liked Akungwa last year. I love Kaminga this okay. year. Six, okay. seven, two-way player. Defense matters to him. Oh, I love him. Love him a lot. Uh, the green kid's growing on me. But I, I love that the G League has offered up this type of platform for these kids who said, you know what? I'm not going to waste, you know, college and university's time going there for nine months and then boom, I'm leaving. I'd rather get my calendar start, my clock started where I'm around pros. I'm learning that, you know, get up in the morning, train, say your vitamins, you know, say your prayers and eat your vitamins <laughs> and then go play and then learn how to be a pro. Uh, so kudos to the league and the G League for offering that up to those kids. Number two, we're going all over the board for the Swift Seven this time. Who's which number one pick projected that they both be number one is going to have the better pro career? Cade Cunningham in hoops or Trevor Lawrence in football? Ooh, it's a good question, right? That's a great. That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't even know who I'd choose. I'd probably choose Cade, but it's tough. I think I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence, man. Uh, I call him Sunshine because he looks like the quarterback yep. for Remember the Titans. Uh, right. I mean, he could throw he could throw every ball, right? Go yeah, routes, can, digs, yeah. outs, you know, nine routes. I mean, he can throw it all. He can do it all. And he's got size. He's 6'6". Six, six. I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence. Okay. 
Uh, your favorite UNC player of all time? Michael Jordan. Next. Okay. Right. <laughs> that was you hard. You, you know what you should have did? You should have asked me who's my second favorite. Well, we, we were hoping there might have been somebody under the radar. You know? No, no. no. It's, it's, it's second, MJ number one. Who's your? I should say, what's your favorite North Carolina basketball game? Like your favorite memory. Eighty-two beating Georgetown. (laughs) It's like, come on! My number two. I'll say this: my second favorite Tar Heel is Antoine James. Okay, all time. Nice. Uh, Are the two first? Are the first two days of March Madness your favorite sports days of the year? Yes. Okay. All right. I didn't want to butt into PJ's time before, but appreciate the WWE reference. Your son, Mick, and I, from time to time on Twitter, be chatting back and forth about WWE. So appreciate that. <laughs> now, now, question five. Better bet to win the title, Brooklyn Nets or Gonzaga? Gonzaga. And Gonzaga right. always breaks my heart every year. They're like – You were they're, quick they're, on that. There are three teams that over the years of I've done the bracket have broken my heart more. Gonzaga, Arizona, and Cincinnati. Mm. So, real quick, do you think Brooklyn – should be favored to win the title. You just like Gonzaga, or are you still going with the Lakers? You think they're a team to beat? I still think something's up with Brooklyn. I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see like all of it together. Yeah, right, right. Together. That's true. right. Absolutely. And the whole Kyrie kind of saying, you know, no, James, you're the point guard. I'm suspicious. As the kids say, that's sus. We'll have to see. We'll have to right? See. Is that right? That's what the kids say. It's sus. I guess I'm even getting too old for that now. I don't even know. Uh, number number six, outside of UNC, the team you'd most want to see win it all this year and why? Michigan, because of my guy Hunter Dickinson. Nice. Seen him seven. since he was 14. Happy for him. Juwan Howard, also one of the great guys in the league. Absolutely. And he's got plenty of time as well. I don't know. It depends if he wants to come out or not, but he might have some more time in Michigan as well, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, number seven, of your main Wizards pre and post hosts, co hosts, all former players, Jason Smith, Tony Massenburg, Brent Haywood. Who would win a mini one-on-one tournament among them? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> None of them. Uh, sticks would foul out. <laughs> Tony would beat up somebody. <laughs> And Brendan would talk his way into a fight. Oh, man. That's, That's so, fantastic. I'm going to say none of them. All right. Fair. <laughs> See, Mill, it is trivia time. We got five minutes left on our Zoom. But as you know, you only need 90 seconds. This is a long one, but it meshes your two loves, Carolina basketball and NBA hoops. All right? Yes, sir. There are 12 current players in the NBA who attended the University of North Carolina. If you can give us 10 of those 12 current players, you don't got to give us the team. Just give us the players. We'll give it to you in 90 seconds, three strikes. Danny Green. One. Justin one. Jackson. Two. Um, uh, oh, my gosh. He plays with the Knicks. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is this hard? <laughs> oh, God, COVID. This is just <laughs> – Danny Green, Justin Jackson. Oh. Uh, is Wayne Ellington still in the league? He yep. is. Pistons, three. Uh, uh, I don't know. Oh, my God, this is bad. 
uh, I'm having a brain freeze because I see him <laughs> and I can't say his name. He's with the Knicks. Oh my God. Well, you got two with the Knicks. So which one are you talking about? Yeah, you got 45 seconds left. Uh, think, think like point guards, like recent point guards that Roy's had. That might help you out a little bit. Ty's not in the league anymore. Uh, Marcus Page is not in the league anymore. Uh, wow, this is bad. <laughs> what kind of fan am I? Um, 20 seconds. I know oh, it's geez. tough when you get a question like this because you like know them all. They're all floating in your head, but you can't spit it out. This is bad. Five there's seconds. Two, there's two Tar Heels on the Knicks. Uh, there is two Tar Heels on the Knicks. You got one more for us? That's awful. Oh, man. I'm so bad. <laughs> um, so the two guys on the Knicks you were thinking of, uh, Reggie Bullock. <laughs> and uh, the other one is Theo Pinson. And then the two point guards that I was alluding to, Cole Anthony on the Magic, and Kobe White, I thought would be one of your first ones on the Bulls. I know. We're, we're just stabbing knives <laughs> into his heart right now. This is we're so, a knife right now. I am so embarrassed. All oh, my Tar Heel fans, I am so sorry. God, that's awful. Harrison Barnes on Sacramento. HB. Still oh, in the league. Tony Bradley on Philly. Ed Davis still in the league on Minnesota. And then uh, the, sh- the sniper, Cam Johnson on Phoenix, and Nasir Little on Portland. Those are the 12 guys. See, Mel, I'm sorry. I feel like I ruined your day. I, I, <laughs> I, I apologize. I thought I you did. loved the question. I'm done. But, yeah. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go Google every Tar Heel player Study to up. ever play in the you're gonna NBA. Be a, you're going to be our and... first four-time guest, too. You're going to be our first and four-time I'm, guest, too. So I'm going to have that list memorized in my brain the next time you guys have me on. I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, that is terrible. You're oh. going to be our first four-time guest, too. We thank you for being Appreciate our first three-time guest. Go Tar Heels. Go Maryland today. PJ, go Bama. Let's hope one of our three teams wins it. And let's get the Wizards into playoffs, too. Thank you, so There you go. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate it always. Yes, sir. PJ, I don't know why you had to do that to the man. You absolutely feel so bad. ruined his entire day. His entire week, month, <laughs> probably. The you only know- thing that's going to salvage him is UNC winning it all now. That's that's true. Uh, well, look, we've been in that spot when we put each other uh, up against the clock in trivia. You could tell he was just stuck on Reggie Bullock, and he that's could truly problem. never get away from that to think of other guys. And it's just forty-one episodes now. We've had we've missed guests for like maybe five or so of them. Mm-hmm. So between all their trivia questions, between us giving each other trivia, there's two things that I've noticed are the two biggest hangups. The first. It's not paying attention to the strikes and just trying to burn through things. And before you know it, 20 seconds in, but your three strikes are gone. That's Shout what out Joe Bate, did. Our good friend. <laughs> and, and, and we've done that right. a couple times ourselves. The other thing is when you're so hell bent on getting one guy who you could picture in your mind, yes. just leave it, come back to it, get the rest, and that's it. That's, those are the two biggest issues that you and I or any guests have had. So anybody who listens to this to study up, if you're coming on the podcast in the future, Make sure you know those two things. I don't promise you, strikes, though. Don't get caught up on one guy. I promise you, though, he now knows every Carolina player in the he NBA. Knows, he knows every <laughs> Carolina player and their dog's name for the yes, last Yes, probably now. does. He went out there and studied right after it. So he probably does. That's how you're old. 
but but, uh, but yeah, the other interesting thing was the the three point line. Yep, I'm just gonna get to that the the three point conversation, and we had to kind of speed through it because anybody who listens to us, you know by now that we're not springing for bonus upgraded zoom in this economy so uh, we got 40 minutes that we're constrained to right and we didn't want to get totally into it but as i said on the three-point topic i can go either way i do see like i had mentioned before there still is for some teams that kind of poetry in motion where it's like old school basketball where they're trying to get the best shot, except the best shot is now a three instead right. of a two. The play that I, I kept thinking of as we were going through that conversation, how many times during that run, and still now, and you see the Warriors, Steph Curry inbounds the ball from out of bounds. They'll find somebody in the corner, and Steph will like run around them, take the handoff, and shoot the three. Like It's little design plays like that. They'll work the ball into Draymond. They'll get it back out. The ball movement was incredible for that team, but instead of finding a layup like the Bill Walton, Bill Russell, going back then in that era, sick of Bill Walton because I was watching him just out of his mind with Dave Pash the entire day yesterday. Um, <laughs> you, you go to that era and you're trying to find a layup, but it's still the same ball movement. Still the same ball movement now, but they're shooting threes instead. That's good. I appreciate that. But then you look at some teams like the Trailblazers, and I mean, not to knock them, but I was watching them last night and you saw what Dame did in the all-star game. They don't really have that fluidity. Dame will take the ball across half court and he'll pull up from 35. Mm -hmm. And you look at some other up and comers. I've seen LaMelo ball do this a few times. He'll come across half court and he'll chuck it from 33. Like that. I don't want there's, there's a real fine line. And that's why any sort of rule change to, to help kind of rein the game back in, doesn't really work because it's not every team that's just coming across and shooting from 35. There's a lot of teams like the Warriors who are moving it around nicely and finding that shot. The Clippers do it. The Lakers do it. All the good teams still, they still play both ways. They will shoot a lot of threes, but it comes from ball movement. So I don't know. Ultimately, I don't think they go to a four point shot, at least not in the next maybe 10 years or so. Um, The three points about three point shot when we were talking about with Chris Miller, how it totally changes end of games, because now one possession games or two possession games become one possession Mm -hmm. games. You have the four point shot. Second thing is. It'd be interesting if they have a four-point shot, what fast breaks would look like. Because now we're starting to see teams, instead of going for layups, they race out towards the three-point line. Could you imagine Steph, if he has a three-on-one, he's probably chucking from the four-point line, thinking, I got two rebounders down there, why not? And then the third thing, Joe, is I'm interested how it would affect the college game. Mm. If the NBA gets a four-point shot, Does college move the three-point line back? Do they integrate a four-point shot? To me, that would be the most interesting part because clearly now the NBA is finding new ways to get these these kids ready. We see the NBA G League and how that's progressing. So if they do have a four-point shot, to me, the most interesting thing is what they decide to do in the college game and how it affects that. I really do think it's best just left alone, honestly. Maybe down the road you you would – implement a four-point shot if you find a good reason for it and a good way to do it but the game goes through periods and then it corrects itself and this is I think getting to a point where we're already maybe starting to see that correction like I brought up when we had Chris on we didn't have it a few years ago a couple years ago with these bigs but now we have it all of a sudden with Jokic, Valanciunas, Sabonis, mm-hmm. Vucevic, Embiid there still are a ton of really good bigs and they are how many of those guys I just mentioned are in the MVP conversation. So 
is it already a correction where now the because the game has become so outside and so small, now these big guys are feasting again? And maybe that starts to lead teams to to go ahead instead of doing what the Rockets did and get rid of everybody over 6'10. Now you're starting to go back and get these guys, and there's a market for them again. And the game kind of just goes through its ebbs and flows. I think it's just best to left, left alone and figure it out. There is no easy fix, like I had brought up, uh, like when the MLB lowered the mound. There mm-hmm. is no easy fix like that. They're really. Nah. It's just it, – it's not in the DNA of the game. Right, and look, I mean, there are really only like four players that when you think about the four-point shot, you think about who it would yeah. affect, you know. So I agree. You just kind of leave it alone. Let it be. Um, all right, so NBA, they're back from the All-Star break. Obviously, Selection Sunday is only a couple days away. We're right in the midst of the big uh, college conference tournaments. The ACC has had quite some news. Duke pulled out. Now Virginia has pulled out. Uh, I believe I saw the other day that come March Madness time, you only need five players that don't test positive to field a team. So right now you're seeing teams drop out just for precaution, trying to limit the spread and make sure they get as many healthy guys as possible. So we hope Virginia is okay because obviously they'll be in the tournament. Um, But look, that game in the ACC tonight, as we record this on Friday, is uh, North Carolina, Florida State. That's going to be a great one. To me, the winner of that game will win the ACC tournament. Georgia Tech's a nice team, a nice story this season, but I don't think they're going to beat those two teams. I kind of like Florida State. And the reason is I just, you know, North Carolina, they're obviously playing hot right now, and it's a big advantage to teams who have kind of played a lot of games. And Florida State has had a three-game bye, essentially, because they didn't play yesterday. But I do think Florida State wins. I think they learned a lot from that loss against Carolina a couple weeks ago. Leonard Hamilton really has his teams playing their best this kind of time of the year. And North Carolina's size gives people a lot of problems. Florida State isn't one of those teams. They got size of their own. It'll be a great game, but I think Florida State wins that one, and they win the ACC. Now, under the radar story of the ACC tournament that's overshadowed because of what you're talking about is Syracuse. Yes. Syracuse looked really good. Buddy Bayheim lit it up, and they, by a, a buzzer-beating three, they lost to UVA. They looked really good in that game. Lenardi has them last four in. Do you think, barring any stolen bids from other conference tournaments, Syracuse has done enough while we're on the topic of the ACC? They're on the last four in, and Louisville is last four buys. So they're right on the edge, those two ACC teams. I I really don't think Syracuse fans have much to sweat about. I like, I know Lenardi, Jerry Palm, all these people have them like last team in, second to last team in. I think they're good. I mean, they've they've played really well down the stretch. They easily could have won that game against Virginia. And the committee has clearly shown that they're willing to take a team in the ACC that goes maybe nine and seven over a Drake kind of team who wins 27 games in the Missouri Valley. And you look around the rest of the bubble, Colorado State and Utah State play tonight. So that obviously helps Syracuse. And then Ole Miss plays LSU tonight. If Ole Miss loses that, that helps Syracuse. Um, so, you know, Boise state lost the other night. If Seton hall loses to Georgetown today, which very likely could happen, (laughs) you know, I think Syracuse is in a great spot. Would have they loved to have beaten Virginia? Obviously they would have been in if they did, but the body of work. And just because I think teams are kind of going to cannibalize themselves around them. I think the orange will be in. And that's what we've kind of seen in the big East, especially you bring up Seton hall it's kind of like a lesser version of the big 10 all year where the bottom would beat the top. Yeah. 
like just it's not as good nearly. You just have a bunch of upsets. Georgetown out of nowhere. I mean, Patrick Ewing at the Garden, I guess, at its finest here. But uh, they've got some pieces. Javon Blair is a very solid scoring guard. But this came out of nowhere. And Villanova is a team I want to talk about because when we started shifting from football to the tournament, they were on the two line. And even before Gillespie got hurt, even before he got hurt, they were starting to trend downward. They got upset by uh, in a couple of road games. Butler did it. Um, St. John's well, beat them. Uh, yep. So they, they started to get upset in a few games. And ever since Gillespie got hurt, they've looked like a shell of themselves. And now they're on a five line. And right. that's a team that I really don't see winning a, another game this oh, year. Oh, no. No, they're uh, – Joe, that could be a game where if they're a five seed, the 12 could be favored. And – uh Lenardi has it right now, Nova 5, Winthrop 12. I mean, Nova will probably be favored just because it's They'll Villanova, be but it's not going to be – I mean, it'll be like two or three points. It'll be – and a lot of people will take uh, Winthrop. I want to ask you, Joe, such a great slate today on Friday. So many great games. Obviously, Big 12, the ACC are in their semifinals. Big 10, SEC, so many great games. What game are you most looking forward to today? There's a lot. Like you said, there's a lot. Um, I mean, Maryland, Michigan, you see the shirt that I've got on, you know, by now for listening to this podcast, I'm a Maryland guy. Um, I'm looking forward to that game, not because I think Maryland's going to win, but because I think it's going to be really big for their psyche heading into the tournament. Uh, There's no more pressure about making it. I already thought they were squarely in before the win against Michigan State. Now they're certainly in after beating Michigan State. This is just one for their psyche. How do we stack up against a Michigan? Because we know we're probably on a 10 line unless they win today, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, we're probably on a 10 line, mm-hmm. which means if we get through round one against a seven right now, that already has us against San Diego state, you're playing someone of Michigan's ilk, whether it's going to be in Alabama, whether it's going to be an Ohio state, one of those teams, not quite Michigan's caliber, but in that neighborhood. Sure. So it's going to be a really big game for their mentality. If they come out and they lose by even like seven, eight, that's huge because they know that they can hang with whoever they play with in the second round if they get past the first round, of course. So big game for them. Uh, but the game in the Big Ten, that is really the one today to watch, Ohio State and Purdue. With everything else going on in the Big Ten this year, Purdue has absolutely gotten lost in the shuffle. And they're a team that wouldn't surprise me at all if two weeks from now people are looking around and saying, wait a minute, Purdue's in the Elite Eight? How, how'd that happen? That would not at all shock me. They play really good physical basketball. They have three shooters. Uh, Painter is an incredible coach. For our money, we've talked about this, arguably the best non-blue blood coach in the Big Ten. And big chance today against Ohio State to kind of prove that to people before the tournament. Uh, It's one of those where if they come out and win today, in a parallel universe, if they don't win today, maybe – I don't know, 10% of people have them in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. If they win today, all of a sudden, you're going to see like that, that number go to like 20, 25% of people who are like, yeah, they can make the Elite Eight. So huge game today as far as perception. And then in the Big 12, uh, before I turn it over to you, Oklahoma State and Baylor. We talked, I talked about Villanova, where they were when we started shifting to college basketball, squarely on a two-line, one of the top teams in the country. When we started shifting, Oklahoma State was on a nine-line. Mm-hmm. They were on a not, or excuse me, they were on an eight line. And I remember that specifically because 
during that iteration of Lenardi's bracket, they were an eight against Maryland as a nine. And I said this team could be for real. Uh, you thought it was more just kind of they were on a little bit of a run. They'd cool off. I didn't think they'd get this hot, though. They're 12th in the country now. They're on a three line in Lenardi's latest bracket. They've completely taken college basketball by storm of late. Big win against West Virginia already. I don't think they beat Baylor. We've seen them go up against and lose to Baylor. But uh, these are the games that I'm watching today. With you on Baylor, Oklahoma State, want to see that game. Baylor, just I know you're still high on them. You still have them as your, they're your one team in the country. I, I'm, I'm still telling you, I'm, I'm especially after looking at it today, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that I'm dragging Baylor to the championship game when I make my bracket. I and still think they're my winner. I just, since they've returned back from COVID, I don't know what it is. I just, they're just, there's something missing with them. But maybe they could turn that around today against Oak State. The game to me, though, that I can't wait to watch is the Big East semi between mm. Creighton and UConn. You talked about Purdue and how they're kind of getting lost in the shuffle in the Big Ten. UConn, ever since Book Night came back, they have been phenomenal. And Creighton's been getting some Brad press because of McDermott and his comments, but they're playing really well, too. But it's Zegarowski against Folk Knight. And if you like guard play, uh, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Creighton, UConn are the games for you. Yeah. Those will be great. The other game in the Big Ten, though, Wisconsin and Iowa. Wisconsin almost lost to Penn State last night. They almost had a big-time collapse late in that game. And Wisconsin has lost eight straight versus ranked teams with a team with so much veteran leadership. This is the time of the year where that really should carry some weight. I was injured and, you know, Fran McCaffrey really hasn't had too much success in the Big Ten tourney. But Gars is a senior. You know he wants to go out with the title. I like the Badgers tonight to pull off the upset. I really think their offense, you know, is really streaky. If they're hitting their threes, they're dangerous. If they're not, they can go on a big-time drought. But uh, those those three games would, would be my headliners for it. And I think just to finish up on that Baylor point, I see where you're coming from with they haven't looked quite the same after the COVID pause, but they've continually gotten better and started to find their legs. They lost. They barely beat Iowa State, who was like 2-21. and 21. That was their first game back. Then right. they lost to Kansas on the road. But then after that, they, it was three versus six against West Virginia. They were losing in the second half. They came back. They sent the game to overtime, and they won it in overtime going away in the end. So it showed that they got their legs back. They came out. They beat Oklahoma State by 11. They come out. They beat Texas Tech by 15. And Macy O.T. went like 11 of 10 – or 10 of 11, excuse me, uh, from three in that game. They have just so many guys who can score, and Butler being that junior guard in the tournament who can create – his own basket, his own shots, get to the hole. You could pull up from three. You got shooters like Teague. Um, always, always screw up his name, as does every announcer. Chamwa, Chachua, he probably screwed it up. I think he got it right. Chachua, I might have, I might have, right. but like, uh, and with and Mark, Mark Vital, they just yep. it goes on and on. They are probably the most complete team going up against good competition night in, night out. I say that part because. You can make the case for obviously Gonzaga being a more complete team, but we haven't seen Gonzaga play anybody actually good in about two months since they had that run of beating like Virginia, Iowa, and all those teams. Right. So uh, I, I still am certainly on Baylor. They've shown they've gotten better each step of the way, and they could continue to show it now with Oklahoma State and then I guess ultimately Kansas after that. Um, so I'm sticking with them. Now thinking about the teams who have already punched tickets, which as of Friday at noon is – Liberty, Winthrop, 
Drexel, Cleveland State, Loyola Chicago, Mount St. Mary's, Moorhead State, UNC Greensboro, Oral Roberts, Appalachian State. Any of those teams intrigue you as far as what they did in their conference yes. tournaments who, who can maybe win a game or two and be a surprise Sweet 16 team? Uh, I have one. If I'm a three seed, I do not want to play Moorhead State. Mm. I love the Belmont basketball program. And for Moorhead to beat them by 15 in the Ohio Valley championship game, that got my attention. They're a team that you watch, and they just they don't have fear. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind if they go up against the top team that they'll be able to hang with them. Oral Roberts was another one. They were a four seed in the Summit League, but – I was watching them play. They got the leading score in all of college basketball. They can put up a lot of points. And those two teams watching them, I, I was I was impressed. I know a lot of people like Liberty. They like Winthrop. But uh, two teams you could see on the 14 line, Oral Roberts and Moorhead State. With the right matchups, I could find myself uh, definitely picking one of those teams. For me, again, it depends on the matchup. But I really liked what I saw out of UNC Greensboro. I haven't obviously. I mean, who has watched a ton of UNC? Sure. <laughs> but from John what I Rolstein, watched, that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. From what I watched, uh, they almost reminded me a little bit of the Florida Gulf. This is on two games that I watched in the tournament. They reminded me of that Florida Gulf Coast team where they are playing fast. Mm. They're dunking everything. And they look like a team that just has that swagger and confidence about them where they could pick off the right team. Um Problem is they're on a 13 line, and I love all the four seeds. The four seeds right now, according to Lenardi, obviously we got to keep going with Lenardi's bracket because he's the guy and we had him on the podcast. But sure. the four seeds right now are Purdue, West Virginia, Virginia, and Florida State. So I don't see a weakness in the four seeds. And right now he's got UNC Greensboro as a 13. Um, so depending on how it shakes out with that, or or if um, if Villanova ultimately because of name recognition ends up on the four line, which I don't see happening nah. currently out of five. Maybe that's something, but they're a team that I, depending on the matchup, I, I might go ahead. If they fall to a 14, do I like them against a team like Arkansas, depending on the matchup? So that's a team that kind of caught my eye. Um, and, and look, there's, there's plenty of those every year where Absolutely. you start going through the bracket and you, you wonder maybe yes, maybe no. Last one before we get to trivia here, just over the last couple of weeks, there's a couple of teams that have really, uh, just wind taken out of the sale, stock way down, and a couple that you've seen stock up where you're really considering them now for a deeper run than you might have two weeks ago. All right. So besides uh, besides Villanova, obviously, mm -hmm. Joe, I've talked to you about uh, this team, but Texas Tech, and we mm -hmm. both love Chris Beard, but I just – I struggle every year with a couple teams of setting aside what my perception is of those teams and how I think they'll play and what they actually are. And Texas tech, I just, I bet them because I love beard and <laughs> you know, on paper with McClung and Santos Silva and Shannon, they got some great players, but they just, they aren't winning these games that they normally do win. Last night was a great example. I, I that was my favorite play of the day. It was Texas tech minus two against Texas and they just they didn't close it out down the stretch in a game that they always do close down the stretch. So Texas Tech is a team for me. The Big 12 all year, those top seven have been so mashed up, except for Baylor, really. Um, and each, you know, it seems like each week, one team's on the rise, one team falls. And right now, Oklahoma State's on the rise, and Texas Tech is on the decline. So Texas Tech would be a team that's kind of declining for me. Um, 
a team on the rise, man. Uh, look, North Carolina, Joe, I, I look at Gonzaga right now in Lenardi's region, and he is Gonzaga versus UConn and North Carolina in the 8-9 eight, 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 game. That might be their toughest game that they face in their entire region if, if that's the bracket. talk about with the NFL where if you're going to pick off a team like the Chiefs, it's got to be in that first, yes. that second round to their first game. Gonzaga has played nobody all year. They're going to play nobody as a 16 seed. That's going to be the first real test they've had in two and a half months. North Carolina would be might be the worst matchup for Gonzaga mm-hmm. because they're not a deep team. And when Roy Williams shuffles in those bigs, they can get Timmy in foul trouble. And I was watching the BYU game, and Joe, when Timmy goes to the bench, they're not the same team. Their offense, like as great as Kispert and Suggs are, they rely on that inside mm-hmm. threat. And when he's not in the game, it's a different team. North Carolina's size could give the Zags a lot of problems. And, uh, boy, if, if that's the 8-9 matchup that the Zags would get, that would not be favorable to them. Yeah, it's really tough. I mentioned about you? Oklahoma State, I mean, yeah. I'm going to stick with them. They've been the team that I've been on. It, it's everything that we hoped for out of the Markel Fultz-Washington team when he committed there and the Ben Simmons LSU team when he committed there. Whenever these top recruits commit to a school that's typically off the radar, um, you hope they can – give that team a year of prominence and he's done it. Cade Cunningham mm-hmm. is lights out and we've talked about it. They've got plenty of talent all around. I really like Boynton as a coach. I think they are legit. This, I mean, it would have been a fluke if they did, if they had like a week of this, but this has turned into a month of Oklahoma state. And when you have a guy in Cunningham who think back, John Morant got his team a big win in the tournament. Um, you know, um, Marquette flanking, um, Oh, Marcus Howard. Uh, Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard. <laughs> um, guys like that. Carson Edwards, Purdue. You yeah. got a guy like that. You could start snowballing it into a couple of tournament wins if he's hot. And, and he's hot right now. So that's the team I'm sticking with there. As far as a stock down team, um, it's really interesting to me, especially with how good uh, the, the conference has been this season. Uh, the big in, Sticking in the Big 12, sticking in the same state. Oklahoma. Oklahoma State's run started with two wins over Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma's just kind of been slowly pulling back since then. They were a four. Now Lenardi's got them at a seven. And it, it kind of going in the wrong direction there. So those two teams from the same state uh, I'm looking at. And then, obviously, you know, you mentioned earlier, anytime you get into tournament time, Florida State is a team whose arrow is always pointing up. And they're a team to watch. I agreed. If you didn't say it, UNC would have been my team as well. So UNC is, is really the yeah. team to watch here. Absolutely. All right, Joe, trivia time. Uh, let's see. You are winning 16 to 15. I'll give you my question for you first. It's right. kind of along the lines of uh, Chris Miller's. And we're going to see how much you were paying to the rafters in Xfinity Center during right. the time in the <laughs> University of Maryland. All right. So since 1990, which was the earliest year that one of these players got drafted. All right. There are six Maryland players who played 10 or more years in the NBA. Oof. All right. So if you can name four of those six guys since 1990, 10 or more years in the league, I'll give it to you. 10 or more. Yep. All right. Steve Blake. That's one. Yep. 13 years. Francis had to be 10 years. Francis was right on the dot 10, too. 
did Grievous hang around long enough? He was only seven. All right. So one strike. Ooh, that's a good question. That I'm not going to get. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So it's 1990. Nobody. Again, think of the well, rafters in Xfinity. Just try to picture some of those points. names. You got 40, yeah. uh, you got 50 seconds left. Um, I don't think, ooh, ooh, um, this guy played forever. I don't think he's in the rafters. We see him all the time. Tony Massenberg? Three. Well done. One more. 30 seconds left. All right. Um, let's see. Ooh, um, I don't think... I'm going to say, I think it's wrong. Juan Dixon, did he hang around long enough as a veteran? No. Nope. 15 seconds, one strike mm-hmm. left. All right. It's going to be somebody that I'm going to kick myself over. I already know that. <laughs> um, gosh. Five seconds. You got one more in you? I don't. Three, two, one. All right. So you got the three I thought you'd get. The other one I thought you would get is uh, Walt Williams, the Wizard. Oh. I don't know why I thought that he was he was earlier than that. Played eleven games, uh, eleven seasons in the NBA. Was drafted in '92. The longest tenured Terp in the NBA was Joe Smith, sixteen years, '95, mm. and then Chris Wilcox, another member of the championship team, played eleven years in the NBA. I so Joe didn't cross my mind. Walt crossed my mind, but I don't know what about it made me think he was '80s. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. So I thought he was eighties, but off the top of my head, I was like, nah, he's too old. So sorry, Walt, if you listen to this, I didn't mean to to age you, um, but I was just thinking he was older. All right. Well, you got me going now. This is interesting. So I have, I I had to write mine out here. Okay. It can go one of two ways. I could give you both if you want for fun, but before I, before you try to answer them, you got to pick which one you want to actually count. So, we always talk about what's the mark of a good program and a good coach and your barometer elite eights. You want to see a guy not only get to that second weekend, but win a game that second week. Correct. So in the last 10 years, 2010 tournament to the 2019 tournament, because obviously last year we didn't have a tournament. Only 22 schools had at least two elite eight appearances, only 22. 11 had two exactly. 11 had three or more. So the three or more one obviously has the blue bloods and stuff. Um, the other one is more fun. If you want to go for the one that involves all the blue bloods, because that, you know, it kind of takes, it, it, you know, it goes from 11 to about five that you got to actually right. think about. I got you. I want you. If you go that route, I want you to give me all 11. If the blue you, blood route. Yeah. I want you to give me all 11. If you go the route of the other teams, I just want you to give me six of them that have made it exactly two times. I'm oh, sorry, five of them. Five. Give me five of the 11 that actually – excuse me, no, yeah, six of the 11. Six of the 11 that made it exactly two times. All right, that I won't do. I'll give you all 11. All right, but I still want you to do the other one for fun. So okay. Curious. Okay. So your time starts now three times or more. All right. Uh, Duke, Carolina, Kansas. Duke, Carolina, Kansas. Correct. Uh, Michigan State. Correct. Notre Dame. No. Notre Dame made the Elite Eight three years in a row, didn't they? Strike one. Oh. 
I thought they made the Elite Eight three years in a row. Oh, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, strike two. Really? Three or more years. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Um, damn. So you got five of the top six already. And then there are five teams that have made it three times. I mean, did Villanova make the Elite Eight three times? They won the national championship twice. I don't even know if they made the Elite Eight three times. I'll go Villanova. Strike three. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think <laughs> I thought, they did made it three times. I thought, so, so I thought you would get – you got Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, Sparty, UNC. Thought you would have gotten Florida in there as well. All those Billy Donovan teams, they made it like four out of five years. But that um, wasn't until 2007. Florida, I've got down as 2011, 12. Oh, 15, yeah, they did make 14, it. Chioza, right. And 17. Um, Florida made it five times. And then Gonzaga, Syracuse, Louisville, Michigan, Arizona, all three times. Man, Arizona made it that much. Yeah. Now, yeah. a lot of the teams, the teams you said, they were on the two-time list. Right. Notre Nova. Dame only made it twice. Villanova only made it twice. Nova, I should have done Dame, the two. Wisconsin all made it two Wisconsin. times. I should have done the it The other teams that made it two times, Virginia twice in 10 years, Texas Tech twice in 10 years, Oregon, Ohio State, UConn, Butler, Kansas State, Baylor all made it two times. So I didn't know which way you wanted to go with that. I figured I would get both options for you. If you want to go with the blue blood option and give me all of them, or if you wanted to go the other route and give me six of them. That was a good one. You got it wrong. So That was a good one. Michigan <laughs> was the three or more Elite Eight. Michigan was three or more. Yeah, yeah. All right, well done, Joe. Good job. All right, let's go watch the Terps and Bama. <laughs> Hopefully win. Sounds good. Next week we will have uh, currently slated to have Travis Thomas back. We're going to go through our brackets in their entirety yes. and have a lot of fun with that. So if, if you don't like college basketball, I mean, still listen next week to get our listenership up. But like, if you don't like college basketball, don't even bother next week because the entire show, it's going to be talking to Travis about betting the tournament. And it's going to be us literally just filling out our brackets on, on well, not live because you're not going to watch us live. We're going to do it on Zoom and then post it. But it's going to essentially be us live filling out our brackets. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't like March Madness, why are you listening to a sports podcast in March? Just doesn't make. I mean, much that's sense. true. Like, if you don't like March Madness, are you even a sports fan? That's also another great question. Yeah. All right, Joe. See you next week. Yeah.